The Lord be with you, everyone. And I want to continue with this, these weeks we've done on courage. Uh, a number of you have indicated that these have been the most life-changing hours that I've done in a while. And so let's go back to Joshua. That's um, a very intense, um, you might say it's a dense passage. There's so much in these words that need to be mined out of them. Um, so let's just spot read in chapter 1 and the verse verse. Um, so in verse 2, and notice the words carefully, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given you, as I said to Moses. Then in verse 4, he gives the dimensions of the land, its geography, from the wilderness and this Lebanon. And then he goes on, every way in which the land can be defined. Within that land that he defines, he says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Be strong, very courageous, observe to do according to the law or the teaching which Moses my servant commanded you. And in verse 8, this book of the law or the book of the teaching shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night. Observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then I'll make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Okay, we've read that every week now. Look, this word courage, that I, I believe a number of you have gotten a hold of that, which is linked directly to our identity that we saw last time. It's because of who I am in Christ, in God the Father, then out of that there flows courage. And all of that is linked directly my courage, courage to live, courage to, to be, sometimes courage to get up in the morning, courage to face the day, whatever it holds, courage to face opportunities, courage to face challenges, courage to face enemies, hostilities, whatever it is, that courage is linked directly to the character, the person of God. It's who he is. And so we've read it. And is it sinking in? He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. I mean, there's all the words there. And point out, I've commanded you this, to be strong, good courage. Not to be afraid, not to be dismayed, 
Why? Why? How? For because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It is because of that presence. It's because of that ever-fellowshipping God with Joshua that he can then have the strength and the courage and not be dismayed and not be afraid and so on and so on. It's, it's the character of God who is with him. But also, this doesn't happen in a vacuum. This is Joshua. And as you probably know, there are five books of the Bible prior to Joshua. Uh, the, those first five books are called the Torah or, or the law. Or as I said, as we read, it, it, it's, we better understand it if we used it as the teaching. It, 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 five books are before Joshua. Joshua doesn't suddenly begin with a brand new idea, a sort of a, wow, let's do this. No, in that law that has been given, in those promises that the first five books of the Bible are full of, in, in all of that teaching, right from the very beginning, the Lord promises to give these people the land. And as I said, he gives the dimensions of the land, its geography, its boundaries in verse 4. Well, that again wasn't something that Joshua said, wow, that's neat. No, that, that has been given to these people for what spanned over the previous, what, 500 plus years. It was all back there. In Genesis, God spoke to Abraham. And speaking to Abraham in chapter 15, he swore a covenant with Abraham. That, that means God said, I will keep my word to you even if it kills me to do it. He did it with the shedding of blood and said, I swear it to you upon the oath of my own being. God said, if I don't keep my word, God himself will cease to exist. And that word was that Abraham would have a son. And of course, he's mighty on in age at this point. That's another story. And then he said, it shall become a people and that people shall inherit the land that I am giving to them. And he outlines the, the dimensions of that land and tells Abraham, look to the skies and see the stars and that's as multitude as your descendants will be and walk the length of this land. I am giving it to you. Well, that was Genesis chapter 15. And all the persons that did spring forth from Isaac, the miracle son of Abraham, and then through Jacob, and then through the 12 sons of Jacob, but became known as the 12 sons of Israel. All those people, they knew that promise. It had been given to them, and it was sworn to them by the God who said he could not lie impossible for God to lie, and sworn to them in a covenant oath. But that swearing with an oath wasn't only Genesis 15. It, it's repeated, that, that uh, establishing of the covenant God. Did you understand what I mean? In Hebrews chapter 6, it says, God made a promise to these people. 
And that would have been enough. It's the promise of the God who cannot lie. But then, says Hebrews 6, he, he gave them double assurance. He who didn't need to do it because he's the God who cannot lie. So his word would be enough. But in order to give all these people double reason for hope, he swore with a covenant oath to these people that he would keep his word. And so you get it right there um, that, that, that it says, uh, I'm looking for it right now. Yes, in verse 6, where he says that you should divide as an inheritance the land which I swore, that's the covenant oath, swore to their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them. And so I say again, his courage didn't happen in a vacuum. It went all the way back to Abraham and said, God gave promise. Then God swore with covenant oaths. And then he repeated that to Isaac and he repeated it to Jacob and he repeated it to the 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. And then he goes on and says, to, to further give you reason for courage, as I was with, with Moses, so I will be with you. It's a continuum. I, I'm not changing my, my way of working. Now it's Joshua instead of Moses. Don't think in terms of having to fill the shoes of Moses. Think in terms of being endued with power by the same God that endued Moses. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. So, as I was with Moses, well, Moses went as a shepherd with a stick in his hand to stand before Pharaoh, demand the people be set free, and that was followed by the plagues that reduced Egypt to its knees. Uh, Moses, that wasn't because of who Moses was, it was because of the God who was with him, behind him, upon him, and through him. It was Moses who raised that stick over the Red Sea and it parted and they walked across on dry land, not because of Moses, it was because of the God who was with Moses and so on. The provision of the manna, the water from the rock, the overcoming of the Amalekites, I could keep going and going, of all that God did through Moses. Joshua, this is where your courage comes from. It's the fact that this God, this God, who promised to Abraham, who swore covenant, who guaranteed to this people who emerged from Abraham and Isaac, that he would bring them to this land that you're now looking at across the Jordan, he swore with a covenant oath and the same God who works wonders on behalf of his people to achieve his purposes with you. Take courage. Take courage. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Let me say it again. It's not happening in a vacuum. It, it isn't that out of the blue one day, Joshua hears the Lord saying, you, I command you to be strong and courageous. Enough of this fear stuff. Stop all this timidity and despair. Enough of that. Be strong and good courage. No, it wasn't that. He, first of all, he said, this is the God who's now talking to you. You are a person joined in with these people to whom the promise was made. 
and I have just gotten through a lifetime with Moses and you were there and watched it happen. Well, now I'm telling you that God of promise, that God who swears to keep his word and that God who backs it up with miracles as I did with Moses, I'm with you. You get it? You wake up, you go to bed, you do your stuff during the day. Well, I'm with you, that God, I'm with you. And I am with you that through you every word I have said since Genesis 15 shall come to pass. You're the one that's going to do it. So you see, you, you don't go into this land. You don't face this tremendous thing I'm putting on you to do. You don't go in uh, with, 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 you know, this opportunity. What an opportunity. Huh. But what a challenge. And to face the hostile inhabitants of this land, these demon-possessed, gigantic creatures. Um, no, that, you see, you, you, don't, don't go in as if this is the first time you've heard of it. You go in with your whole being saturated in God's covenant promises and his covenant presence, and he'll never leave you. You're going in. You are one, Joshua, and all the people you lead. You are one with, with the covenant. It's not just past history. You're one with it now and all the promises. You're standing on the cusp of their being fulfilled. Don't, don't disconnect yourself from God's past history and revelation of himself and his promises. It's yours, Joshua, now to do the promise. Do it. Do it. Imprint with your footprint. Imprint the promises of God made to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses. Imprint now those promises into history that these people be led to actual experience of this land I'm giving to them. Well, how, how, okay, we sort of, that, that, that's a brief summation of where we're at, I suppose. But how, how do you do that? Well, he said, um, verse 7, only be strong, very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law or the teaching which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right hand or the left. If you do that, he says, you'll prosper. You'll, you'll be incredibly successful in, in everything you do. Then in verse 8, this book of the law, this book of the teaching shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Okay, that is the main word that I want to look at because if you ask the question, how, how, Am I going to connect with the past? The God of Abraham seems a very long way off from where Joshua is standing, way back there in the past. The God of Moses, even though Joshua had been there the whole time, somehow that God seems remote to where Joshua now stands, feeling very alone, facing the challenge. How, how do you connect? How do you connect with ancient promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? How, how do you connect with, with the covenant 
and know that the God who was with Abraham and with Moses is now with me to fulfill his word. How do I connect? It's right here in the middle of this passage that just oozes with the words of strong and courage and not fear and not dismay. Right here in the middle, it says, you shall meditate on the book of the law, which contains all those promises, contains everything of the covenant with Abraham and contains everything God said to Moses and reports on everything God did in and through Moses. Meditate on that book of the teaching. And as you do so, you'll be prosperous in this. You're, you're, you, you will have courage and you will walk and you will do and you will take and receive. You will be prosperous and you will have everything that you need for your inner core being, your mind, your emotions, your physical body, your strength physically and mentally. You'll have everything you need. So off you go. Meditate. Now, first of all, as I look at this word, let me make an absolute statement. This has nothing, nothing to do with the meditation that has come into our Western world from the Far East. This has nothing to do with the meditation of the Buddhist. It has nothing to do with the meditation of India. It has nothing to do with any meditation that has sprung up in the eclectic forms of new age. Nothing. Okay, I got kind of worked up there, but I hear this banded around all the time. No, no. Meditation in the scripture from beginning to end is a content-filled meditation. It is not sitting, entering into blankness. It is not an empty mind. Doesn't begin there, doesn't go there. That is highly dangerous. No, this meditation, I say, is content-filled. It means to have a mind that you are filling with the Word of God. The Word of God that has been recorded through the centuries. The Word of God that describes to us the character of God. The Word of God that describes the kind of God He is by His mighty works and actions of love. The Word of God that reveals all that He wills for us. All His thoughts toward us. We fill our mind. Meditation, though, is not just thinking. Meditation is a very specific action. I suppose you could say that it is the, the way in which we digest the Word of God so that it actually becomes us. You know, you take food and... and if you were to liken food to things that we think about, then if you take the food and smell it, or even taste it on the tip of your tongue and then put it down, that is how I would describe most of the thoughts that we have. Thoughts, uh, we, we, we smell them as they whew through our mind. 
we listen, and I mean, it is very highly probable there are persons who listen to me week by week, and and as I say something, it it becomes alive, and you say, wow, and you talk about it at least for for a little bit, the same evening or time of watching. It's like you sniffed it, you tasted it, but then it's gone in the great river of thoughts that go through us. That's thinking. Meditation will begin there. Meditation usually begins with the Holy Spirit enlightening something to us or drawing us to a certain part of Scripture. But it doesn't. That's, that, that, you could say, is the, the finger of the Spirit saying, this is, this is where I want to take you. This is the new geography of the Spirit that I want to lead you into. But it's not just a passing thought. Meditation may begin there. But meditation is if you took that same food and you do a lot more than smell it. You do a lot more than taste it. You begin to chew it. And you chew it around your mouth and savor all of its different tastes in the areas of taste buds in your mouth. And then begins the whole process of digesting that food and in the digestion process how it is turned into electromagnetic it's it's it becomes a, a spirit energy actually which goes into your bloodstream and your bloodstream carries it to every cell in your body and your cells take what they need and and, and so we, we are energized and so we become strong and so muscles are built and so on. Um, digestion, that's meditation. It is, it's taking the word of God but chewing it and then letting it digest in our inmost being until it has become the very uh, flesh, bone, and ligament of our, our spirit and our person. Well, let, let, no, that's not quite true. It is true. Everything I've just said is absolutely true. But meditation is even further, and we humans can't actually continue that illustration. You'd have to be a cow or a llama that are sheep. They, they, if you're city folk, you might not have heard of this, but it's called chewing the cud. And if you're out there in the countryside and you have any of the above mentioned animals, you, you will see them, they've eaten. In fact, usually they've been eating throughout the morning. And then you will see them, they sit down, and it looks as if they're chewing gum. Have you ever seen them? And you know, they're not eating. They did that all morning. But they're just sitting there, and all they do is chew and chew and chew. At least it's what it looks like. They are chewing the cud. They are animals that have um, a digestive system that's too big to go into right now. Enough to say they, cu- they are digesting their food sometimes four times over. So the, by the time they're finished, they've got the pure energy of that food extracted. And 
so they, they, they chew it, they digest and regurgitate and start again and, and digest and start again. Chewing the cud. Now that's meditation. It, it is taking these, the words of God, but what I like to, to call it is the thoughts of God. This book is what God thinks about you. This book is a description, is many ways and parts. It is a description of what God's feelings are toward you, God's expectancy of his work in you, his announcement to you, uh, this is what I think about when I think of you, and this is what I purpose for you to enjoy all the days of your life. And, and with that wonder, I turn the pages of this book and I take it in. And taking it in, I turn it over. And I call on the Holy Spirit, throw your light upon this. Show me what it means. Give me revelatory knowledge. Knowledge that's filled with divine light. And I turn it over and turn it over. And I let it digest and I let the Holy Spirit apply. And then he comes again and we, that's meditation. So, yeah, it means I read the scripture. It, it is almost certain, but not necessarily, but almost certain I'm going to memorize it just by going back to it and back to it. And as I do so, um, and I say the Holy Spirit enlightening me, this is digested into me. It becomes part of me, the same as the food you ate for lunch has, has begun on a long journey of becoming your flesh, bone, and ligaments. It's, and the word meditation means that, what I've just been saying, and to an end result, and this is part of the meaning of the word, the word means to chew it, to digest it, to the point where you begin to, and this is the Hebrew definition, to mutter and mumble about it. That is, you begin to talk what has now become part of your innermost being, and it's become part of the very warp of your heart, and now it just comes out when you talk. You find yourself saying this. It's You have taken into, you have ingested the very thoughts of God and now they're coming out through your mouth. And, and it means also that um, you're not only muttering it, but the, you're, you're singing it, or it turns up in rejoicing. And so now, when, when this, the Holy Spirit just causes it to rise within you, this that you've seen of God and His designs for you through Christ, and it rises within you, it not only comes out of your mouth, in praise to God, in conversation with others, but it also comes out in singing and giving praise and thanks and rejoicing to God. That's meditation. Heavy stuff, you know. Heavy stuff. The New Testament word that is associated with the word meditation, and I mean associated, we're talking in the very same immediate family, is renew 
or renewal of the mind. Romans 12.1 is the famous one. Be renewed in your mind. And that renewal of the mind brings about the transformation of your whole person. What is the renewal of the mind? It means to receive to receive into me, the same as you receive food into you. So by taking the word of God, I receive it into me. And, and, and not only that, so, but when uh, those who speak on behalf of God, when they are speaking and they say something that's rooted in Scripture, made alive by the Spirit, and you take that and, and you eat it, Remember Ezekiel said it, if you read the book of Ezekiel, he said, yeah, I, I, I took the scroll, it was the word of God, and I ate it. Do you remember that? Um, it, it, well, that's the renewing of the mind. I'm bringing into my mind something so new that my mind has never thought this before. My mind has... Well, just to receive into me the thoughts of God. They blow apart all the neat little walls and paradigms I built in my mind. So I'm receiving God's thoughts. That means, of course, a process of unlearning. Meditation causes me to unlearn, to shed away from me all the thoughts that I've had which are thoughts that arise from myself about myself. Well, we talked about that last week. You see, I left to myself. I don't have a clue who I am. I don't even know why I'm here. That can be pretty scary to be in the middle of a life. You don't know why it's there. Um, and then I, I, I make up my mind, I, th I think I'm this, I think I'll do this in life, I think this is the meaning of life. And by the time you get to 60, you realize you made a mistake, it wasn't. Uh, that's, oh, oh, there's everything your parents said you were. They didn't know what they were talking about. God bless them, but they didn't. Uh, um, it, and and they, they were talking just as they hoped and as they saw and... And your ancestors pass it on. I mean, all my British ancestors passed it on. This is what a Brit is like, you see. This is how Brits think. Well, see, they're wrong. I mean, it was all rooted. All my self, my independent self thinking about myself and myself thinking about God and myself thinking about others and my parents' input and my ancestors' input, it all came from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that, that's essentially where I think I've got to be good. And good is if I do this and good is if I do that. And it would be a bad and evil idea if I did that. And if I go on this path, it would be good. If I went on that path, it would be evil. And I'm trying to be good to please God because the way I see God, he's a God who, who loves good and hates evil. And on and on and on. And we totally are oblivious. We're blind to the fact all that thinking came from the satanic suggestion which was activated by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's all got to be shed. And I can't just turn on it and say I'm going to shed it because I really don't, I, I can't see where it is. It's so subtle. 
But as I meditate, as I turn my mind over to the Holy Spirit and to the Word of God, and and my mind begins to be marinated in the thoughts of God, and, and I am energized by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it, it, now I see who God really is. And he's not a God of good and evil. He's the God who is love. Wow, that changes everything. Totally so. And I look, I find out who I am. I look into the mirror of the thoughts of God about me, which transcend any thought I had about myself and transcend any thought my ancestors or parents passed on to me. This is what God thinks about me. I see it in his word. And then I realize how God thinks about others, not only me, how God thinks about others. And so all my relationships begin to change and I find increasingly all of that stuff that constituted life outside of Christ, it's going, it's leaving, I'm putting it off. And now I begin to recognize the true enemy of my soul and I recognize his true defeat in Jesus and I recognize my... Now, along with this word meditate, especially in the Old Testament, there's another word. Keep keep thought of these words. They all interlock. And especially so in Deuteronomy, which Joshua was there when the Lord gave the book of Deuteronomy and Moses preached it in a series of sermons, Joshua was there. So he's very familiar with this other word. In fact, it would be true to say that this word that I'm about to look at is a word that is foundational in in the Hebrew mindset. It is how the Hebrews thought about these things that we're talking about. It's vital. And if I'm going to practice meditation, then I'm going to be up to my earlobes in this word, which is the word remember. In the book of Deuteronomy, and if you're interested in looking at it, because my time is zooming away, but in chapter 5, verse 15, chapter 7, verse 18, chapter 8, verse 2, and chapter 8, verse 18, Chapter 15, verse 15. Chapter 16, verse 3 and verse 12. Chapter 24, verses 10 through 22. Remember, 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 remember. It's like a bell that tolls through the book of Deuteronomy. Remember, remember. And then the negative of that, which we sometimes need when we... We say we'll remember, but then we, we don't. And so this other phrase comes in. The Lord says, do not forget. So again in Deuteronomy 4 and 9, 6 and 12, 8 and 11. Uh, it's pepper and salted with remember, remember, and do not forget, do not forget. And what are they to remember? They were to remember that they had been slaves in Egypt. If ever you get a big head, you see, and say, we conquered, we took Canaan, we, we're the top dogs now. The Lord says, no, 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 you'll lose it all. He says, never forget, do not forget, do not forget. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt. You were crushed under the heel of the Pharaoh. 
and I delivered you, and I set my love upon you, and I took you out with mighty signs and wonders. Never forget that. You're totally dependent upon my grace. Do not forget. And, and, and Pharaoh was that awful, terrible, that, that power that was bigger than anything you could ever dream of and was crushing you. And, but I came. And I wasn't afraid of Pharaoh. And through Moses, I destroyed the power of Egypt. And, and through ten plagues, through parting of Red Sea. Don't forget that. Don't forget it. Never forget it. Tell your children. Remember it. Never be afraid of an enemy. I've shown you. I've written it into your history. Don't forget it. And then in the wilderness, don't forget I fed you with manna. Don't forget that. Remember it. Remember it. I took you through the wilderness. And don't forget I told to Abraham that I would bless him in all the hands, works of his hands and he would become great and, and I would make him wealthy so that this covenant would be undergirded and paid for wherever. He says, remember, I'm the one who gives you the power to make wealth. Remember, when you were a slave, don't forget that. Don't forget that you are who you are because of my love. Never put anybody down. Never despise anybody. Always see them in the light of the fact I loved you. Now love them with my love. He said if, if somebody, you, you loaned somebody money and now you're going to get them to pay up. He says don't go barging into their house like you own them because they owe you money. Stand respect respectfully outside and ask them to go in and get what they owe you. Small thing you say, yes, but do you see what it's doing? That they're remembering and they're not forgetting and it's changing their life as they live it now. This, this word remember in the Old Testament is not the same as our word remember as we use it in our English language. And some of you, I, you've been where I taught this before. The word remember, here in the West, in our English Latin languages, remember describes a mental journey, right? It's, when, when you want to remember, sometimes you close your eyes, you look up and you're Something's going on in here. You are trying to remember. And it's a remember. It's a journey in your head backwards. You, you are going back over hours and days and weeks and months and years to remember. Some Pull something out of the files from back there and, and, and bring it out of the fog as best you can to remember it. Okay, that's how we remember in the West. But in the peoples of the Bible, they have a different way of remembering. And therefore, the word means something different. It's not a mental exercise. That's massive. They don't think about it. Remembering is not a mental journey. Remembering is something you do. Hear me. I'm using these words very carefully. Remembering in the Bible means that with words with actions, and you might use symbols in your action, 
in which you will bring that past event, however long ago it was, you will bring that past event into the present moment and replay it with words and actions and doings. You will do it again. You'll do it again. A replay. You will bring that event from the past into the present and redo it. And in that replay, that redoing it, says the meaning of this word in the Bible, you release into the present moment all of the energy and the power of that past event, and it becomes now. And so you reconnect a past event into this present moment. That's, that's the word remember. I have given the illustration. So again, if you've heard me, you've heard this. If we said today, um, do you remember your marriage? And, and there'd be little discussion and lots of thinking and then bring out some photographs or whatever and, uh, and you would uh, fill in some word details as you try to bring it mentally forward. If I said to the people of the Bible, remember your marriage, the only response they would be able to give would be, let's do it. Because to remember their marriage would be a replaying of the marriage in which they renewed their vows and all the energies of love which were there at the first time are now released in maturity in this replay, this remembering. Do you get it? And of course, to the replay, people could come and remember with you though they weren't at the first. This is so important. When it says, remember, it is saying to these people that you might never have been in Egypt, but you replay all that God did in the way you live today the way you treat an abused servant, the way that you treat someone who owes you, the way you treat the people in front of you, the way you feel about enemies that are coming toward you. Let it be a replay of the God who loves you and treat those people as God treated you. And let it be a replay of the almighty love power of God to overcome all who hate you and look your enemy in the eye and laugh because you are replaying into this event all the ten plagues of Egypt and the parting of the Red Sea. And you are releasing the same love energy of God into this moment. And when you look at short supply in the refrigerator and you wonder where the food is coming from and you wonder where the clothes are coming from, you remember the manna in the wilderness. You remember how your clothes never wore out nor your shoes. And you remember the water God gave and you replay it and you look directly into the face of God and say, as you were, so you are with me. You say you replay it in the energies of God's presence and power.
This, this is meditation, you see. Oh, this, this, this changes everything. The Bible does not become to me now just a, a book of history, very ancient history. It is replayed into my present moment as I chew and digest this process of remembering and forgetting not is going on here. And it's bringing to pass, bringing to pass. And therefore I do not have fear. I don't have dismay and despair because I'm not reacting to the present moment. I'm not looking at myself in the light of my enemy. I'm looking at all of that in the light of the God who has told me who he is, who has acted out who he is, has shown me who he is over a long history. And I remember it right into this present moment. All that God has ever said he is, he is now. All that God has ever done, he is now. All of that in my life, in my experience. All the expectancy that was gathered in ancient times is now my expectancy because I've remembered God into this present moment. And I did it by meditation, going to the scripture, letting that scripture become my very life and then remembering it into life. And of course, this that happened to Joshua, as we've said consistently, it it was a foretaste, and that's the best I could say of it. It was a foretaste of where we are today because Jesus came and at that point, old mankind is going to be brought to death and a new race of persons come into existence. And that's you and I, Jesus. It's interesting, the name Joshua is actually Jesus. That, that's... Um, it, it's, see, the name Jesus is our Anglicized word. Um, the, the word uh, for Jesus, Yeshia, and um, that's the same as the Old Testament prophet Hosea, and it's the same as Joshua. And, and so it's very, the, the picture fits perfectly. Jesus is our Joshua. Jesus is going in his own person to take us into everything the land of Canaan pointed to, and everything that covenant anticipated Jesus is the one who shall take us in and in his death he carried us to death in his resurrection he brought us to new birth out of death into the God kind of life life that has defeated death swallowed death a life that cannot die. And he carried us into the other half of the universe where we are seated with him inside God the Father, the Holy Trinity. And he gives us the Holy Spirit in this half of the universe to make all of that real. That was the defining act, the new creation the bringing into existence of this good news. Now, 
um, that this remembering that we as believers do, we do everything that Joshua did because the God of Abraham is God our Father, revealed in Jesus, with us in power by the Holy Spirit, not another God. That's our God, is Abraham's God. And the God of Moses is our God, and the God who revealed himself in this Old Testament is the one who finally revealed himself to the fullest in Jesus. And so we meditate and we remember, and we remember into doing, or as Joshua said, observe to do all this in our daily life. And in our church, in our gathering together, and with many of you, um, every Sunday we gather to the table of the Holy Communion, the Eucharist, and in the Eucharist, do you remember what Jesus said? Do this in remembrance of me. That doesn't mean, you see, I was raised, you sit in church and feel awfully sad and sing hymns about the death of Jesus and, and, and try desperately to call up imaginary pictures of a dying Jesus. Oh, no, 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 you've missed it by a trillion years. Do this in remembrance of me means as you eat of this and know it's my very body, my, my incarnation, my humanity. And, and you drink of this and know it is my blood, my very life that shall be poured out for you. As you eat it and drink it, do it in remembrance. Do it. And in so doing, bring into this present moment Take it out of mere history. Bring it into this present moment and see yourself united with Christ at the cross. See your old self buried, done, finished with Jesus in the tomb. See yourself now in this moment with Christ, in Christ, raised from the dead, ascended to the Father. This is who I am. This is where I am. We do it in remembrance of him. And we go out to imprint our daily life with who we are in Christ. Christ in you now. Christ living in you by his Holy Spirit. Yay. I've been meditating on that <laughs> for 60 years plus. I have. You, you, as I said, this isn't a passing thought. This, you settle in, what is the Holy Spirit? And every time I think I've got it, the Holy Spirit takes me to another level. Huh. And, and to realize that in Jesus, I meet the Father. I meet the Father. In Jesus, I meet the Father as Jesus meets him. And another word that goes with these words we're using is 1 John 3. Behold! That is, don't just give a glance. Look, 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 look. Wow! That's behold. Behold, behold, look. At the manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. And said John, we're not only called it, now are we the children of God? And it doesn't yet appear what we shall be. Think about that. That's who you are. That's not something that is, is back there in far off history, something that theologians ponder about, yawn and have a cup of coffee. No, this is now. 
This is ising Jesus. He's, he's here. He's now. And I'm united with him. And I, I was crucified with him. I died with him. I was buried with him. I was raised with him. I ascended with him. And he now is my life. And this is so through the Holy Spirit. He forgave me. Wiped it clean as if it never existed. That's why, you see, you remember that when you look at somebody who hurt you and as the scripture says, you forgive as God in Christ has forgiven you. You know your forgiveness because you are a forgiving person now in the light of your forgiveness. You have been loved and Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Remember my love into all your relationships. You have been delivered and released from sin. Then you put off the bitterness and you put off the rage and the anger and the malice and the gossip and the slander and the evil talk and backstabbing and revenge. You put it off because I'm a dead man and that doesn't belong to the life that I now have. And so I put on who I really am. I take on and draw from the peace that Jesus gave and gives me in this moment and the joy he gave and gives me in this moment. And I give of my substance in accord with the way God gave himself to me. Giving to a believer who is meditating slash remembering slash renewing. Giving is not giving a, a tip, a religious tip to some church waitress, you know. The, 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 the preacher comes and gives you a meal and, and now you tip in the offering. No. When we give, we give with intelligence, not because it's the thing you do on Sunday. We, we give with thought. We're giving where we're receiving this life from God and we're giving in order that this life expands. And we, did, we give remembering the gift of God. We give in accord with God's giving. Do you get this? We receive, we're not anxious, we're not anxious because we know our Father, our Abba knows. We give ourselves to this life, this kingdom in the Holy Spirit and we give ourselves to meditate on his faithfulness and we receive stuff. Jesus was talking about clothes and food and work and then out we share our abundance so the people touching us touch God. As I say, it's easy to sit here and talk about that. But this process, you don't sit cross-legged and meditate. No, this happens all the time. Happens when you're driving, happens Suddenly, in a spare moment in the office, it suddenly leaps into your a new revelation of the Spirit. It happens as you stand in the grocery store. It happens as you talk in the family. And, and in that, 
you begin to unlearn old patterns. I do not think. I don't think like a Brit. I don't think as I was raised to think. The Holy Spirit has taught me and is teaching me to think according to his thoughts. How he thinks about me. And the Holy Spirit in all of this never condemns us. The person who comes away condemned was not meditating. They, they were coming to themselves, not to God's thoughts. The Holy Spirit never condemns me for what I've done. The Holy Spirit brings to me a revelation of what's missing from my life, that I should need to do that. Sometimes the Holy Spirit fills your mind with a question, a question that just won't leave you. And as you pursue the question, you see what God is saying. Oh, uh, my, my time is coming to an end and I've got so much more to say on this. Um, let me come right to the, the crux of this. That as we're reading the scripture, we begin to let the Holy Spirit apply it directly to us. So that I, I, I say this. See, I say it for me. Like verse 9 here, the Father, he has commanded me to be strong and of good courage, and therefore I shall not be afraid, I will not be dismayed, for the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is with me wherever I go in life. Hmm. Or I hear in my spirit, the Father saying this to me, Malcolm, have I not commanded you? So you be strong, Malcolm. Be of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For Malcolm, I am with you wherever you go today. See how that becomes then the very stuff uh, of your person? It's how it works. You have courage. You have a strength to live. You have a courage, a, a strength to think. Well, go do it. And of course, this isn't something you'll do this day that you're hearing me, nor is it something you'll do this week. When I say go do it, it means take on a new life, a life in which you let this happen, because it won't be done, you see, not in a week, a month, a year. Oh, I said I've been meditating on Christ in me for 60 years, yes, and probably another 40, 30 years if the Lord keeps me going. Um, there are other areas of scripture that have not been as long as that. Some are a week and they, they change my thinking. But in another sense, they never go away. They're always they're ready for the Holy Spirit to say, let's go and revisit this. So I trust you'll do that. And your life can be transformed from this day on. Well, I'm going to stop right there. And could I remind you one more time 
that we are going to have our winter retreat in San Antonio, Texas. And the subject is probably one that is the most significant that I will address in a number of years. It is called love, the spirit's power. Love being the very glue and cement of the kingdom of God. And, well, I won't start. <laughs> Just enough to say, I, I can't wait for that retreat to get here. But the most important thing about a retreat, because you can always get it later on on CD. But the thing about a retreat, you are in a room with a hundred or so other people who all believe what you believe. What? That there is an impact. There's something you can feel as you walk in the room. Here's a group of people who all believe in the love and grace of God and are open to him. That is worth the retreat. Now receive the teaching in the midst of that and then talk about that around the table because we feed you. Um, the retreat cost is $140 and people tell me I'm putting myself out of business because that's not only the cost of the retreat, at least our side of the retreat, but it's also your food. If you're staying at the hotel, you get a breakfast, a good breakfast. Then we feed you for lunch and dinner on Saturday and all that's included. And so this is something you can't miss it. And we never repeat a retreat. You couldn't. Things happen there that are unique to that retreat. And uh, people want me to do that retreat again where you said, no, I'm sorry, I'll never say the same thing twice. That's just me. I don't. And, and it never happens the same way twice. To be in a place where the healing power of God, people are healed of sickness and, and mentally they're put right and emotionally they're filled with joy. Those things are spontaneous. We don't have any control. It's the Holy Spirit walking among us doing his work. Well, anyway, the time is rapidly approaching when we're doing the cutoff and it will be too late. So please call the office today or you can go to our website and register online. Do it. I, I can't wait to see you that first weekend of December. And now the blessing of God, who is almighty covenant love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. His blessing now be with you. And that blessing fill you with light and bring you to walk in the fullness of God. So I bless you, that is the way it is.